From the shores of Summer Lake in Tigard, Oregon, it's the Portland Tim Beers Podcast, a show featuring two guys who love craft beer and Portland Timbers soccer. And now, here are your hosts, Jason and Gary. Tim Beers, I'm Jason. And I'm Gary. We're the uh, Portland Tim Beers. We talk about soccer, beer, and pretty much whatever else we want. Huh? How you doing, buddy? Doing great. How about you? Good. Good. Just getting back on this thing we call a podcast yeah. bicycle. The old work schedule threw things off again. Yeah, things are things are booming. So, uh, well, we got a lot on tap for everybody here today. So, uh, we have a couple interviews. One with a ski resort yes. or a ski place, Hurricane Ridge. And uh, the other with a tap room in town. A pretty awesome tap room, yes. might I say. Yes, so, it really is. The Nebulous Tap Room out in Beaverton. So, um, And what are we drinking? Uh, we're drinking a Beechwood Mocha Machine Imperial Coffee Chocolate Porter. Mocha Mocha Machine. Yeah. I'm thinking of that Love Machine song. <laughs> of course you machine. are. So it's a mocha machine. What are you thinking of this bad boy? I'm not a usually a big coffee guy, but uh, this one's actually a really good blend. Really good blend. Yeah, I'm, yeah. I'm impressed. Yeah, it's not overly coffee, but it's uh, kind of got a milky lactose. Yeah. Kind of a chocolatey coffee thing going on. Digging it. Um, yeah, pick this up over, I believe, at John's. And... Uh, little can here thought we'd give this thing a whirl and then i got something special for us here in a few minutes special oh boy do you like um where are these guys out of i don't know i don't know i can't find it on their can we'll see it so this is again beechwood yeah and uh it's a really small print huntington beach california oh there you go so we're drinking california beer Beachwood, that would make sense. There you go. Yeah. Beachwood, son of a beach. <laughs> That's what it is. Son of a beach. <laughs> so, uh, all right. Well, where do we start? We going skiing or are we going to go to the nebulous? Oh, I say we ski it first, then have some beers afterwards. All right. So, uh, here, a couple months ago, we talked with this fine dude by the name of Frank over at Hurricane Ridge yeah. Ski Resort. That sits at the top of top of the Olympic Peninsula there, and for those that know uh, Port Angeles, there's a uh, part of the Olympic Rainforest or the Olympic National Park that uh, is called Hurricane Ridge. Yeah, there's a ski resort up there, and so uh, about this time of year, they have a lot of snow and there's a lot of skiing going on. A lot. So let's see what uh, Frank's got to tell us about the Hurricane Ridge ski area. Jason from the Timbers here, and we're here with Frank from Hurricane Ridge Ski Area um, up in the Olympics. Up, uh, I guess uh, in, would you say it's northern Washington? But uh, Frank, why don't you take some time, introduce yourself to the listeners, and tell us a little bit about your ski area. Well, my name is Frank, and I, like you said, I'm with the Hurricane Ridge Ski Area, and we are the farthest, most northwestern ski area in the United States, the contiguous United States, I should say. Um, located just uh, 17 miles from the beach in Port Angeles. Fantastic. So, yeah, I've been to Port Angeles. I made the 
uh, cruel mistake uh, when I was brand new newlywed. Uh, my wife said, hey, I want to go stay in Port Townsend. I uh, didn't really know the difference between Port Townsend and Port Angeles. Booked a bed and breakfast in Port Angeles, and there we were. But she was not impressed with my Port Angeles, Port Townsend mix-up. But I saw Hurricane <laughs> Ridge firsthand, <laughs> which was unbelievable. So uh, I've been there. Um, but really had no idea about a ski resort being there. So how long have you guys been in existence? Um, and then tell us a little bit about how many lifts you've got, um, how many acres you have a skiing. Well, the ski area where it is right now has been around since, I believe, 1958. Um, that was the year the Hurricane Ridge Road was built. It was also existent in uh, Deer Park, which is across the valley before Olympic National Park was made. And then they just moved the whole ski area from one mountain to the other. Currently, and forever on, we have three lifts, two rope toes and a palma lift. Um, and those are entire lifts. Acreage is, uh, the boundary area is probably not that much, maybe 50 acres, but it's bounded by as much backcountry as you could ever possibly want. It's just, uh, it's in the national park, so there's really no rope lines. You can uh, go anywhere you want outside of the ski area, and that's one of the best things about our ski area is all the backcountry you could ever possibly want. That's fantastic. So in that backcountry, you guys doing any cat skiing? You doing any hello skiing? Do you have anything to access that other than uh, um, touring, doing tour skiing? Next. No, just your own two legs. There it is. Good. Well, and so are you guys open? How much snow you got on the ground right now? Um, there's probably about three feet of snow. That's pretty much um, we need about three feet of snow to get the front side of the ski area running and about six feet of snow to get the back side of the ski area running. Um, and we don't – our first day we can actually be open is December 6th. So we should have enough snow to get half the ski area going by then. And, yeah, it looks like uh, the early snow looks like it's going to be a good year. It does look like it's going to be a good year. So talk to me about COVID, though. I mean, how's COVID impacting what you guys are doing? I know it's impacting uh, folks down in our area where we ski regularly. Uh, there's, like, parking regulations, or they're limiting, actually, how many people can come to the resort itself. What are you guys doing, and how is this COVID thing impacting you guys? Well, Hurricane Ridge is kind of, it basically would be designed for COVID. All of our lifts are surface lifts, so there's spacing between every lift. You never have to ride with anybody, so that's good. Our parking lot is limited to the amount of cars it can handle, so if once the parking lot's full, that's done for the day, and the road doesn't open until people leave, so that keeps the crowds down in a... Yeah, it, it should be, you know, as long as everybody keeps their distancing. We've adopted the, the National Ski Area Association's rules, and uh, we've submitted uh, operating plans to the National Park as well as the local and state officials, and then everything's been approved, so we should be good to go. So you guys are saying that December 6th, you guys open officially. Is that like a National Park Service rule? No, that's just the day we want to open. Um, the National Park starts winter operations the day after Thanksgiving, so technically we can start operating that weekend, but usually there's not enough snow, so we just we 
try to do the first week of December. And whenever wow. the snow's ready to go, we're ready to go. Cool. How late do you guys generally stay open? So how late in the season? Uh, we're open until the last weekend in March. Um, as far as you guys' lift ticket prices, what uh, what are you looking at for a ticket to ski at Hurricane Ridge? Uh, standard all lift tickets, forty five bucks. Um, you can get uh, what's called an intermediate ticket, which is our rope tow ticket, and that's thirty five. And we also have a beginner bunny lift ticket that's fifteen, I think. In a Basically, to get all the vertical, you can do that with a cheaper lift ticket because Hurricane Ridge is kind of an upside-down ski area. So with that okay. intermediate ticket, it, it takes you up to the ridge line, and then from that ridge line, you can drop down three ways. One way would be right back to the bottom where you started. Another way would be down to the palm lift. And the third way, and a highly popular way, is just going right off the backside out of bounds and what we do is called road shots. So we got like a three-mile-long ridge that you just keep going farther out and farther out. As it gets tracked out, you ride down to the road, and then you hitchhike back. Or usually we have shuttles going. Well, we don't, but people have shuttles going. (laughs) So you just do that rope toe to the top and do road laps and then back to the parking lot and up again and just keep lapping it like a high-speed pickup truck quad. So, yeah. So there's multiple ways to ski the area. So like those road laps there, I mean, tell us about the best thing about your ski area or maybe something you offer that others might not. Uh, Low crowds and epic powder. Oh, fantastic. So talk to me a little bit about the powder. So you guys, how much snow, how much snow do you guys get annually, uh, roughly? Oh, probably about 400 inches. And the advantage of us is we're really only open weekends and holidays. So basically, um, you have five days worth of snow built up, and then you get two days to ride it. So during the winter, that means powder every weekend. Fantastic. And then do you have lodging or food options available? How far are you guys from Port Angeles as well? Uh, Well, during a normal year, this is not going to happen this year, but the National Park has a nice big lodge up there, and there's a restaurant down on the bottom level as long as ski rentals, cross-country rentals, and snowshoe rentals. Um, it sounds like that is not – the lodge will be open for bathrooms, but the restaurant and all the rentals won't be. So um, for all your rentals and stuff, you'll have to get those down in Port Angeles. And Port Angeles is only about 15 miles away. It's kind of like a, a Wenatchee Bend-type setup, so there's not much going on at the ski area. But down below, you got a full city with hotels, bars, pubs, restaurants, and everything you possibly need just down the bottom of the hill. Fantastic. So we're a beer podcast. Uh, traditionally, we uh, delve into the world of skiing, and we certainly uh, do our bit on soccer. But do you guys have partnerships with pubs? Do you have beers named after your lifts or about your ski area? I mean, talk to us a little bit about that. Hmm. Uh, As far as I know, we don't. But uh, maybe we should talk to the guys down at Bar Hop and have them name one after us. There may be one. Who knows? (laughs) uh, Heck, yeah. There's definitely a couple (laughs) of good bars that brew their own own beers, plus have 
everything available from Northwest in and around. But, uh, yeah, I think we better get some Hurricane Rune beer going. That'd be great. Yeah, yeah. Sounds like a plan. So who's the most famous person you've had at your ski resort? Who's, who's the, the famous person that's skiing all the time there or maybe uh, just popped in one time? Oh, shoot. I don't know. Um, basically, everybody's famous because when you come and <laughs> hit Hurricane Ridge, you're, when you ski at Hurricane Ridge, you're riding in the Olympics. And so every single person that skis or snowboards gets to say they've skied in the Olympics. So you're all famous. Best answer. Total best answer. You definitely need a beer <laughs> named after your ski area. So. <laughs> cool. And then, uh, so we're interested in this Indie Pass. So tell us about your relationship with the Indie Pass and what kind of what that is and how that helps out your resort. Well, the first time I heard about the Indie Pass, I said, ooh, we're perfect for that. So uh, I immediately sent an email, and uh, they uh, said, yeah, we can. Uh, or the, they said they've heard about us from a couple of the other ski areas that are on it. And so we were involved with it the first year and started off kind of slow. But by the end of the season last year, we were getting quite a few Indie Pass visitors. And by March, they were, we were getting a lot of them. And then we had to shut down because of COVID, but we're getting tons of emails from people from out of town that asking about lodging and hotels. And for some reason now they think we're like a large destination resort just because we're part of the Indie Pass. But um, <laughs> it's working out good for us. It's working out good for us, I think. In a, uh, we're kind of a strange little area, but it's an epic little area. So when people come, they're not disappointed. Yeah, no, I mean, gorgeous, gorgeous area, beautiful national park. I've actually done it through and through um, there in the park itself. So unbelievable terrain. So uh, uh, definitely I'm going to have to check this one out, and I would encourage l- listeners to check this out. Uh, do, do you, as far as a skier, do you guys offer lessons to people, or is it a small enough area that they do not have a ski school? No, we have a full ski school. Um, and we do tons of lessons. So yeah, we got that. Fantastic. I was just going to say, it's uh, surprising. We get a lot of people that actually even take the ferry and come over from Seattle just so they can get a nice affordable lesson without the millions of people around at the Seattle ski areas. Right. Well, I think, I think that's huge. So, I mean, does your lot fill up quite often on the weekends or is there always a little bit of room? That, well, that's our biggest curse and our biggest blessing. Um, it's a big curse because I tell everybody, the, they open the gates in the National Park at 9 o'clock in the morning. So if you're not there by 10 o'clock, you're basically going to wait till the afternoon till the road opens up again because wow. our parking lot only holds 200, 275 cars. As long as you're there at 9, you're golden. If you're there late, you snooze, you lose. Wow. How are the lift lines when it's busy like that? Uh, the, lift, the lift lines are never that bad. Um, you know, sometimes you get a 10-minute wait when the palm is running, but everything moves pretty fast just because the rope toes are super fast. The palm lift runs fast, and, and the parking lot is small. So even if the parking lot's full, it's not usually that busy. 
on a busy day, we have 200 skiers. Excellent, excellent. And then are there shuttles coming up from Port Angeles as well? That can, if somebody can't get to the parking lot, um, can a, they take a shuttle up? Well, in a normal year, there is a bus. The bus won't be running this year. So that's a problem. Yeah, well, I mean, it's, it's good every, every year except for the COVID years. But, again, something for people to look <laughs> as yeah. an option when we start to normalize, hopefully. So. Yeah, there's a, if it was a regular year, there'd be a bus that comes up in the morning and another one in the midday. So two times a day shuttle. Bonus. Good. All right, man. Well, uh, we appreciate the interview and your time that you spent with us talking to us a little bit about Hurricane Ridge. So, Frank, thank you, man. Thank you for having us. Enjoy some beer. All right. Big thanks to Frank over at Hurricane Ridge Ski Area. Um, I was just looking at the uh, webcam and yeah. the snow depth up there. They have got about 200 inches of snow. <laughs> Nine inches in the last 24 hours. That's so, nuts. Yeah, crazy. Crazy. And uh, it said uh, the road is closed today because of deteriorating conditions on the road. Imagine that. Go figure. There Lots of snow. Lots of snow. We got to check that place out, man. Definitely. Got a pommel lift. I haven't been on a pommel lift in several years. Well, the thing that cracks me up is just like, well, even on a busy day, ten minute wait. Oh yeah, yeah. Ten well, minutes. And the parking lot's full. It's yeah. a Ten minute wait. Cam was telling me that he was up at Bachelor this uh, <laughs> a week ago or two weeks ago. Yeah. And they had hour long lift line. That's not even worth skiing. Nope. I would have went home. No. Fairweather skier, not waiting an hour. Think how many runs you're going to do if you have to wait an hour, compared to if I wait 10 yeah, minutes. Yeah, I mean, yeah. that's that's it, not cool. Exactly. Well, Hurricane Ridge sounds awesome. And you know what? You can say you've been to the Olympics. Exactly. I'd wear a gold medal the entire time. <laughs> just walk around. <laughs> I bet you would. <laughs> hey, what's that for? Oh, I skied in the Olympics. I was in the Olympics. Yeah. Yeah. I'm currently in the Olympics. That's right. Every day I'd have a new uh, like <laughs> new team. Like one day I'm from Austria, one day I'm from the U.S. Just all the ski gear I'm buying on eBay. <laughs> uh, get all the old uh, ski sweaters from all those nations. This is when I was in Montreal Olympics in 1976. <laughs> you don't look that old. Well, I am. <laughs> <laughs> all right. Well. That was a great, great look at what's going on. And we recorded that two months ago, man. I can't we believe did. it. We yeah. did. The crazy thing is, is they still have a crap load of snow. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Craziness. So. And we're, we're already in March. Well, so we're going to do something a little wild and crazy, my friend. Okay. And so we're gonna, we haven't done a blind taste test in a while. We haven't. And I've got two beers. Okay. Okay, and I'm going to pour us a little sample of both beers. Okay. Already challenged here at pouring. <laughs> so, um, <laughs> poor challenged. Yeah. So, um, what we've got are two of our favorite styles of beer. Okay. Any ideas what that is? Uh, one would be a stout. No, it's the same style. Okay, so it's going to be a stout. Nope. What? These are IPAs. <laughs> oh, you dirty bastard! All right, so. Mm-hmm. Two cans. Two cans. Wrapped in foil. One is a hazyish looking IPA. Oh, yeah. 
One is a crystal clear IPA. And super bitter. And super bitter. One of these has no alcohol whatsoever. Really? And one of these it has a lot of alcohol. Not a lot, regularly. And so the so, challenge here is... So when you say non-alcohol, it's a non-alcoholic IPA. Non-alcoholic IPA. Like truly a non-alcoholic. True story. Well, that'd be the that'd be the non-hazy one. The non-hazy one? Why do you say that? I can tell by the head. Mm, well, I just had the hazy one. Yeah, so did I. Couldn't really tell anything. It's it's, it's not as bitter, but I can tell by the head on that one. It's got actual beer yeast and stuff. Which in one it. do you like? <laughs> That's a trick question. <laughs> Their IPAs, I don't really like either. Well, if you had to drink one, you're stuck on a desert island with one of these cans. Oh God! Or a that case question, of these cans. Huh? Which one you? Which one you uh, hoping you get? Well, if I'm on a desert island, I want the non-alcoholic ones so that I don't get dehydrated. <laughs> but if we're going off tastes alone, just taste. I don't know. I'm, I'm thinking the clearer one actually has a, a little bit clearer. It's got a little bit better taste to it for some reason. Uh, that hazy one's kicking my ass. Yeah, it's because I think it's got alcohol in it. Nah, it tastes like poop on me. All right, so. <laughs> it tastes like poop. I don't know what that one is. So here's the hazy one. Okay. Non-alcoholic IPA. There you go. I'm really wondering what they put in it to get that head like that. Yeah? Well, I don't taste any of the booze necessarily obviously because there's no booze in it but. right so this is a uh, athletic brewing run huh. wild non-alcoholic ipa boy i missed that by a mile so uh this one of our buddies brought over to us about a month ago yeah. and uh left us with some and said hey you guys should try to see what you think with this and um so this is what we've got it is uh 70 70 calories is what this thing is. Okay. So uh, pretty low cal, and it's yeah, it's pretty low, pretty low in carbs too. It's 14 huh. grams of carbs. So yeah, there's but. when you taste it, there's really not much taste to it. So the second one, I'm noticing that the crystal clear one, yeah, is a Crux Gimme Mole. Really? Yep. Saturated, but uh, yeah, it's Gimme Mo IPA, so huh. so that's uh, that's that little deal, so man, so uh, totally different. If you're blinded, you really can't couldn't tell, I mean, you couldn't tell which one had booze in it versus not. Um, the one, the one that's the non alcoholic had like a heavier grain type of taste to me, it does. Yeah. I'm starting to pick that up, um, almost just like a it, it, you know what it tastes like to me? It, it tastes like a wart yep. that was cooled off and never taken to the rest of the fermentation side. Yeah, it does taste like wart to me, That's what it tastes too. like. Yeah. And it, it does taste like it was like, all right, we're going to bring this down, and then we're going to carb it. So mm-hmm. we'll force carb it or something. So but anyways, interesting. If I was interesting. If I was going to have a non-alcoholic beer, I'm not so sure I would have had like all the ones that we've had. 
I don't not know so that sure would I'd pick be that it. one. Yeah, yeah but no. um, probably it's interesting it's an IPA. <laughs> interesting to put it side by side with another IPA and see how they compare. And you really couldn't tell, just Mm-mm. blinded, what it was. No. So the only reason I knew is not necessarily by the cans or any of that, but it was the uh, that weird taste on the front side. Yeah, it just was a little something. So well, the the interesting part is that is the head. I mean, it's yeah. it's got thicker head. It's almost creamier. The lacing on the glass is really good. Yeah. So they did all that right. They just didn't do the taste of it right. So again, uh, check it out. It's the Athletic Brewing Company Run Wild Non Alcoholic IPA. Versus Gimme Mo IPA by Crux. Gimme so. Mo. All right. Well, so last week, maybe two weeks ago now, was it two weeks? I think it was two it weeks. It was. Yep, it was two weeks ago. We dropped into the Nebulous Tap Room over in downtown Beaverton. Yep. Uh, over at the Beaverton Town Square. Big, huge clock, honey baked ham, Trader Joe's, Olive Garden, and the Nebulous Tap Room. And we ran into three awesome dudes that own this place who uh, were really gracious to us, sat down with us, and um, really talked to us a little bit about their business model, how they pick beers, and all that type of stuff. Yeah. The other cool thing is they're awesome Timbers fans. Oh, yeah. Like mega Timber fans. Like totally different level of Timbers fan. Yeah, like I thought... I thought we'd met some, like, hardcore, like, Timber fans. Yeah. No, these guys take no, the cake. They, so. they paled in comparison to these guys. Yeah. And uh, the bad news with this thing, I think we cleaned up this video or audio pretty well. Yeah. But the audio quality was horrible after this yeah. interview. So had some work done on the audio file, and a couple weeks has gone by. And so we're going to play this out for you folks, let you learn about this tap room. And uh, then we'll come back and close this thing out. So here's the guys over at Nebulous Taproom. All right, it's Jason from the Tim Beers here, and I am here with uh, Gary, and we're here at uh, Nebulous Taproom here in downtown. Well, not really downtown Beaverton, but the middle of Beaverton, right? So, uh, but I'll let the guys here introduce themselves, and uh, and then we'll jump start into this interview. Um, this is Brian. Um, Lived in uh, Beaverton now for about 15 years. Excellent. I'm Dayton Rodigerts and uh, been a uh, Portland native my whole life. Adam Marshall, and I've basically been in Portland and Beaverton my whole life. All right. Well, so we've got a bunch of questions for you. So for my first chance here was uh, Friday. I stopped by and uh, with my wife, and we had a the beginning of a date night here. And I'm sitting here staring at this menu that's on the wall, and I'm like, holy crap, there's like 40-something beers sitting on this wall. And uh, we usually frequent something a little bit closer to our house. And I can tell you they used to have 40, but they're sitting at like 10 tapped handles now. Um, they've recessed quite a bit. So what is a secret to your story? What's going on with you guys? Because we are late into COVID. Most places are actually trying to figure out how to keep their doors open. From what I saw in here earlier today and what I saw Friday is you guys are booming. What's going on? What's the secret sauce? I'd like to say it's customer service, a little bit of, you know, making sure that, that they understand that, that we want them to be safe and that we appreciate them coming in and choosing to come here. Uh, and that's part of what drives our variety of beers. You know, we know that uh, life is a variety, you know, yes, 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 the Pacific Northwest and, and, and we're known for IPA. 
but there's a lot of really great alternatives, whether that's cider or alt beers or pilsners, lagers, whatever. Uh, there's fantastic dark beers, and, and we know that everybody drinks everything, so you can't hamstring yourself. You've got to keep the variety going because that keeps everything flowing. Right. So, so oftentimes you're stuck with what the distributors give you. They give you a list of something, right? And you're like, all right, now I got to sort through this list and figure out what are my people going to drink? Um, what's on sale that they're trying to burn through and kind of filter that out? Tell me about beer selection. What are you guys doing? So I, I get varieties there and in the forefront of your mind, varieties there, but I'm looking at this thing. I don't see a third IPAs, a third black. I mean, I see a lot of great beers that I'm not finding anywhere else. How do you guys select beer? Um, there's a, I mean, it's, there's a lot of levels to this. Um, one is we all um, agree on every single keg that we bring in. Wow. And, uh, so there's 48 kegs. And so each one, we all have to, we have two people really like it, but the third guy's like, you know, I don't, I don't think it's a little for a customer base. Or it's not for me. Then, uh, then we pass on it. And so, um, um, it's just really important that everything that we pick is something that's important. And that requires us to use a lot of different distributors. It uh, requires us to go a lot of independent breweries and build those relationships with those people and uh, it, to get the best beer. And so that's, you know, it's the priority and it, and it takes a lot of work and time. And we think, you know, we like to think it's a little bit of a differentiator. Fantastic. You know, as I look around when we're in the actual tap room, there's a lot of sports memorabilia on the walls. There's a lot of uh, music stuff that I'm also seeing, like, behind the bar. And each one of those has a story. One of the ones that I'm particularly interested in is a wall-sized Valeri personal sign legend piece. And, one, how did you come by it? And, two, how does that fit into the whole story that we're seeing on the walls in here? So there's a local artist here in Beaverton, and his name is is Eduardo Tico. Is as you can as you can see that that's fantastic. You know, yes. it's, it's it's monochromatic. He has beautiful uh, brushwork on it, and he originally created it. Obviously, not for us. It was for himself, and I think that's why it's so good. Okay, uh, he's. He's a Latin artist, and he's he he made this piece uh, to kind of pay homage to Diego Valeri. Right, and he took it to the the last match in 2019 when we when it was very uncertain whether or not Diego Valeri was even right. going to stay. Right, and so there's a lot of a lot of heartstrings being tugged at that point if you're a Timbers fan. Yeah, because he is a legend. Um, and he's, he's, he's incredible. He's, he's a legend who's still playing. Right. Um, he took it to that match and he, and he hung around and he, he pulled some of his own magic strings and, and managed to get, uh, Valeri to sign it. And, um, he kept it in his house, in his apartment on a wall for about a year okay. and then he was like this is his wife was like it's kind of ridiculous it's, it's, it's entirely too big <laughs> and, he, and he relented as his family began to grow yeah and so he he took it down and, and he folded it up and it wound up being storage well we opened up in 2019 at the end of 2019 december 21st okay and uh it was 
towards the beginning of the season uh, for 2020. And things were just beginning to go a little bit haywire with COVID. Right. And it was in July when they decided to do the bubble tournament, the COVID Cup. Yeah. And um, Eduardo and his buddy started coming to the matches here where we had our 50% allotted um, seating capacity. Okay. And we had the uh, Sunsetter uh, local Timbers Army group uh, were one of the host venues. And um, he came a couple to came to a couple matches here and decided that this is where he wanted it to be. Oh, nice. He felt like we were worthy of, you know, I, I use the word worthy as if, you know, he's bestowing some great, you know, honor. Yeah. Coming. And to him, it's not a matter of bestowing it. He just, he wants to be enjoyed by people. Right. To us, we're like, are you kidding me? Like, this, <laughs> this is an honor. Like we're, like, we're being visited by the Pope here, kind of, yeah. you know, in a weird way. Um, and actually, he was here yesterday and dropped off his Mick Hoban that he had done. Oh, really? So over on our bar is a Mick Hoban, about the same size. Okay. Um, he's, he's a really great guy. And he, by, from our own request, uh, he's doing a, a Diego Chara. Oh, um, fantastic. Um, and he's he's gonna bring it to us at some point in the next week or so. But it's it will kind of like our own little ring of honor. Yeah, you have basically two legendary players from the Portland Timbers on your wall. Three, if you count that. Okay. True, very true. I'm, I'm to throw both the, those Diegos in that conversation. But but when you look at Valeria and you look at Chara, they're I want to say current true. legends. Truly. And so when you look at it, you've got you've got different eras of Levens, but you've yes. got two that are are very identifiable by yes. people out there every day right now. Right. They'll come in and they'll see these two guys and they'll be like, oh, I know exactly who these well, two are. Well, they'll, they'll be like, oh, my God, I ran into that guy at New Seasons. Exactly. Right. Versus Hoban, where they're like, <laughs> who, who's that guy? That's, that's St. Yeah. Hoban to you. Yeah. Absolutely, right. <laughs> yeah, great story. <laughs> All right. So let's talk beer. Um so we talked a little bit about selection. So I'm interested in how you guys selected this spot. So um, I've been coming here since I remember I, I was a little kid growing up in Aloha, going to Aloha High School and uh, would come over to Honey Baked Ham as it opened because it was the thing here. Haagen-Dazs was where uh, Haagen-Dazs is where Moonstruck was at that point. Or no, maybe it was down on the corner. But I've watched this thing change. And the last thing I ever thought was that a taproom would come into Beaverton Town Center here. So why here? And then who are you guys drawing? Where? I mean, obviously Timbers fans are coming here, but um, what other populations are you drawing in here? So. Yeah. Uh, our one of our big things was uh, we don't want to have a kitchen, so we want people to be able to select any food they want to bring in. This place in particular has. Eight to ten restaurants within the immediate vicinity, and so a majority of them will deliver food when people uh, call them up and order, or go next door and say, "Hey, I'm right here at Nebulous. 
can you deliver it? Majority of them will say for sure. So that was a big thing for us. Um, also, this parking lot is massive. Yeah. Fred Meyer draws a lot. Starbucks in happier times would draw a lot of people. Uh, the liquor store also. But a majority of the things was um, let's have a nice food selection. So that's one of our main things at the end of our bar. We have a bunch of menus there. And so people just order from that, say, hey, nebulous, they bring it down. So that was one of the key points of this. Plus, Beaverton didn't really have a lot of options at the time when we selected this spot. So we're like, there's a hole in the market. Two out of the three of us live in Beaverton. We wanted to kind of keep it local as well. Cool. So it's fixing to get crazy here, beer-wise in Beaverton. So everybody's reading the news here. And uh, so Ex Novo, when it rolled in about a year and a half ago, I mean, it was a thing. People were like, Ex Novo, why there? Detroit-style pizza, what's going on? And uh, moving in next to DeCarly's there. And then all of a sudden, the chicken places opened up across the street. And then, boom, uh, Binary announced recently that they're coming in over to Beaverton Bakery. And then on the back side of Ex Novo, somebody else is jumping in, opening a German beer hall style type thing. Breakside's opening up. Yeah. So yep. so things are getting crazy in Beaverton. Why? And so we we on the show, we talked about cluster effects, especially as it relates to micro economies. And it appears something's happening in Beaverton. What's happening? Is Beaverton really crazy about beer or like what is the deal here? I, I think it's a lot to do with with the current trend honestly uh beer and city council's done a really good job of of diversifying and and adding aid to the local economy um there's a there's a bunch of little things that they've been doing uh there's the big movement the cultural center that's going to be going in off of canyon uh, and with that they're going to be putting in something that's sorely needed in this area which is a, a parking garage which is crazy for mm-hmm. Beaverton. like holy crap a parking garage, right. all things, um, but that that parking garage is going to allow for a lot of things. You know, it's going to it's going to benefit not just that cultural center, but a lot of the small businesses that are around where people may have a hard time finding parking. You know, they can actually park there and then walk. You know, much like in, in downtown Portland, where you might maybe you park it the Tenth and Salmon, and, and then you walk to the stadium. Right. You know, it's the same sort of effect. Right. And that's a lot of that is due to the, the you know, Beaverton City Council. Yep. And Beaverton City Council has been very proactive. I mean, they hired, I think it started with Don Maziotti, one of the economic guys that came in, they hired, and he's really responsible for kind of that redevelopment where Cracker Barrel is and some of that and changing yeah. that. And then you slowly watched as BG food carts and like all of this has started to be redeveloped. Yeah. There's this kind of this, this resurgence of things here in Beaverton. It's a big move. But um, and then we've also talked that there's a lot of breweries that are looking at getting out of the downtown area and moving out to the suburbs. And I think that's what we're seeing. Yeah. Folks like you and the other tap houses, I believe, are responsible for part of that, too, which is you've been very successful in the suburbs. Some yeah, absolutely. And so now the breweries are like, wait a minute, we can be out there and we can do it as well. And and we've talked about people want to drink at their neighborhood bar. They, they want to have that place where they can have their beer, their Cooper Mountain beer, right? And, and they have that namesake. And you guys are aligned for that. How do you see that relationship with you and some of these brewers that are opening around you? Is that going to help you? Is that going to hurt you? Any concerns with that? Um, I think, you know, you know, basically 
this industry is really, really friendly. You know, it's like I, I've worked at a lot of other jobs in a lot of other industries. And it's just amazing, like how everybody just wants to help each other out. And, uh, you know, it's just, you know, we see brewers coming here all the time and they're like, Hey, you know, it's like, you know, this is what, this is what I'm working on. Like, you know, I want you guys to carry it. And so, you know, we carry ex Novo beers, mm-hmm. you know, all the time. And, uh, it's just, uh, it's just a good family of, of, we're at a point right now where everybody can be successful at the same time. So I really look at it. It's just like, it's just a great industry to be in, you know, be involved in. Yeah, it seems very supportive as far as the industry, and I wouldn't anticipate you guys would have answered it any other way, right? So, um, no, those those jerks over at XYZ, they're terrible. But ultimately, they need you guys to move kegs, right? And so they, they're going to support you, and, and they want to see you successful. I think there would be some sort of collaboration. So, But it is interesting, two blocks that way, right, uh, again, is where the new binary is going, and it's interesting they chose that particular spot. Right. But it is, just again, fascinating cluster effect going on here in Beaverton. So that's kind of cool. And you guys are in the middle of it flat out. So, well, so what is next for you guys? So, I mean, you've got this awesome space here, tons of timber stuff. You talked about food, how you're not really interested in food. Um, where do you see Nebulous Tap Room in five years? Well, I think the thing that we're working on right now is just continuing to expand the events. I mean, one of the, the big things that was important to us was not just to get a space where, you know, a big parking lot had food and everything, but we, you know, we have 3,500 square feet here of completely usable space. And so we do trivia here. We do timbers matches here, we do blazer games, and we're just going to continue to expand the events and just kind of get that, that neighborhood feel out of, of having all these different things that people can take a part in. Um, we have gate, we had game night before COVID Tap takeovers. Uh, tap takeovers. Tap takeovers are big tap, here, too. Yeah. So it's just really, you know, and, you know, you can do that seven days a week, you know, let's have that that sort of stuff. So it's, um, it's we we, get, we got a good start <laughs> before COVID started. And we're, we have our first uh, uh, event um, post-COVID, uh, bingo, uh, on March 1st um, with uh, Stumptown at Graham, who's been a great uh, partner for us, you know, the whole, ever, ever since we opened, he's, he's been doing events, trivia events, and bingo and stuff. Yeah. It, yeah. I've been to places where the trivia night's like amazing, right? Cause there's this crowd that's drawn in by trivia night and you're like, and, and we've actually tried to record on a trivia night and we've been shushed by the crowd where they're like, shut up, get out of here. And I'm like, so who's responsible for the tunes by the way, because I'm listening to stained. I got to, I'm looking at some of the sign stuff up here. I'm a big rock guy. Been to the rock and roll hall of fame multiple times. And uh, I saw stained actually perform before they were like, as they were just coming up at the rock and roll hall of fame and the outside patio. So this song, I was like, dude, this is the song they're playing. So you're responsible for the tunes. Kind of my background's in radio. I worked in radio for six years okay. before uh, late 90s, early 2000s. And what'd you do? What'd you do on radio? Uh, I was uh, assistant marketing program director uh, for a couple stations in Vegas. Okay. And then up here, I worked for KOFO for four years, being uh, in promotions and kind of 
part-time sidekick for the night UFO is that's Craig the dog face boy and all those guys after <laughs> Craig the dog face boy yeah Craig the dog face boy and pork chop yeah. and then it was myself and Bruce and then it all melted down after those it guys. Did. Yeah. <laughs> I always say it's once I moved to Vegas it went down yeah. <laughs> I had nothing to do yeah with right 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 yeah no I mean again that's a local local thing that you got to know <laughs> so. yeah. I miss that station so much oh KUFO was unbelievable it's way better than what's going on on 101.1 exactly. now so but yeah 100% yeah, 100% so but yeah it's we need that station back or something like that so well good you guys it's been awesome i appreciate the time uh, that you guys have spent with us so um gary you got any other questions here uh, actually i do um yeah this one i think you guys can actually handle without him at the table uh when we when we look at it your opening time and then we look at what happened with COVID, and now we're starting to see relaxation. What kept you guys going through the whole COVID shutdown? You want well, the brutal, honest answer? We, absolutely. <laughs> the, the brutal, honest answer that is, um, I'm married, I'm happily married, and I'd like to keep it that way. Um, I've invested everything into this. This is this is this is my heart, this is my soul, this is my blood, this is everything. This is, Right. If I can't, if, if we can't make this work, I mean, this won't go well in history for our, our personal lives. Um, uh, totally understandable. This is a, this is a, a, a flesh in the game situation. And I, I feel like a lot of places are like that. Anytime somebody goes into a small business situation, especially the tap room, which is a little bit of a niche market. Yes. Um, you know, it's you're, you're really putting a lot out there, and you have to you gotta win. And you, and you gotta, you gotta the only way you win in anything is if you put your head down and go for it. So, ever how did you guys make that work? How did you make that work, though? Knowing that you had to make it work, what what steps did you put in place to make sure that other, business kept rolling in other that other than door? blind faith? <laughs> other other than that, yes. Well, I mean, we were literally open every single day of 2020 there was not there was there's uh maybe was it thanks thanksgiving that was, thanksgiving was the very first day that we were like okay let's just be closed and let's have a day with our family yeah wow. that was that was the only day so if it was to go if it was there was to go if it was indoor with masks on it was indoor with masks on if it was outdoor you're already on the hook for the bills so. right yeah exactly just keep going so and uh you know and, and i have another job but uh, adam and brian worked here seven days a week um most of the time we didn't have any other help so we're talking 80 90 hour weeks for those guys so just exactly like brian said you know it's like you got to pay the bills and you know, the, the landlord's not going to be like, hey, don't worry about it. You know, right. although we yeah. did get a lot of help from people. That's the other thing I would say. Yeah. It's not not just this industry, but people in general, like our clients, it's like throwing, you know, just huge tips on a beer. You know, it's just unbelievable um, partners that we have. Our landlord here, actually, Beer in Town Square, um, you know, the, was, the McGill's have been great. The McGill's have been great. Very generous um, in some circumstances when we really need their help. Um, so it's, you know, it, you put your heart and soul into something and then people really respond. Good. Well, again, thanks, guys. I appreciate the time. And uh, again, if you guys get a chance, uh, listeners, uh, check out the Nebulous Tap Room. It's downtown Beaverton in Beaverton Town Center. I'm staring at a Papa Murphy sign and Fred Myers and Starbucks right here. I used to work as a paramedic, and so I'd park my ambulance right there by the Starbucks. And uh, 
not so close to the brew, uh, to the brew pub, but uh, over towards the coffee place. But uh, check out this place. Fantastic place. Awesome beer selection. Um, amazing stuff. They've also got some other stuff up here. It looks like some sodas and some wines and some other stuff like that. So, But check them out. Downtown Beaverton, Nebulous Tap Room. Thanks, gentlemen. All right. Huge thanks to the guys over at Nebulous, man. Uh, pretty badass interview. Probably one of the most challenging interviews that we've had, uh, talking to Adam, Dayton, Brian. Yeah. Um, Loud, loud rock music. Like (laughs) awesome rock music playing in the background. Um, Three guys in a COVID environment that really five of us sitting around the table. Yeah, there were five of us. Trying to maintain some form of distancing, uh, drinking beers so masks were off. So you're trying to feel each other out and what the comfort space is. So a ton of background noise, but just awesome. It felt like we clicked with these guys, felt their vibe. Obviously, Timbers fans, rock music fans, yeah. and awesome beer. What'd you think? I thought it was fantastic. Um, just the you could tell those guys have poured pretty much everything into that place too. Um, like they were saying, they've poured their heart and soul into it, and and you can tell. I mean, they. They care when you come in. They they greet everybody there with a lot of respect. Um, it's just kind of a really cool place to hang out. Yeah, um, totally. Yeah, and I'm looking at their tap list right now, and again, crazy tap list. I mean, we're talking 48 different things to pick from. Um, ciders, they've got seltzers, they've got some uh, wine on. But really, as I'm scrolling through this, it looks like... Uh, 36 taps of beer, and then it gets into uh, the final, uh, what, half dozen or so are uh, yeah. roughly wines and ciders and root beer. So, right. But crazy mixture. I mean, everything from Arch Rock, State of Jefferson Porter, to, uh, a Nitro, the Wild Nut Crushers on Nitro, Grains of Wrath is on here, Three Mugs is on there. I know we saw Cooper Mountain was on there. Um, they had some varietal up in Yakima was on there. Uh, but, yeah, crazy selection of beers. And, again, it's not all IPAs, and it's not nope. all Imperials. It's yeah, like this it's, mixture. They've got a great mixture. Yeah. Well, so Beaverton is popping like we talked about. Mm-hmm. And um, as we're jamming around, checking out Ex Novo and checking out all these other places, turns out Breakside's coming into town. And um, they are going to go right behind Ex Novo and do a German beer hall style type place. Oh, so interesting. Big long tables, outdoor type thing, yeah. tents, and it'll be Breakside Brewing there. So uh, they're really going to have to wait for COVID to get to end for that to really take the full effect of the beer hall style. Yeah, I think so. Um, it'll be interesting. But, I mean, they'll have outdoor air, right? Sure. So yeah. That'll run with it. The um, other thing that's over there is I heard there's like another tap room that's like 99 taps or some ungodly things open over there. Wow. In that same area. And then we heard Binary Brewings opening over in the old Beaverton Bakery space. Yeah. So a couple blocks away. Um, but still, there's a nice little cluster thing going on in Beaverton. The, so. the synergistic effect. Well, so I was on Instagram a couple okay. days ago. I'm not a big Instagram guy, but <laughs> trolling around on it. And um, I saw one of the Portland beer guys was hanging out at Raindrop Tap Room. Huh. And so I'm like, where's this Raindrop place? 
Deb and I go out for pizza. We're shooting over to Ex Novo. Ex Novo's got a 90-minute wait to get in the door. Holy smokes. Make reservation, kids. So Wow. Um, we didn't do that, and so we had to wait 90 minutes. Yeah. But we uh, were walking back to the car because parking matched uh, that wait. I mean, it was crazy parking. Wow. And on our way back to the car, there's Raindrop Tap Room. And I'm like, what the heck? we got to jump in here. Yeah. And small tap room on the corner sitting on Farmington Road there, um, kind of by the Dairy Queen slash Beaverton High School. Okay. Same area as Ex Novo. And um, little corner place, some outdoor seating, a couple indoor tables. Stop in. Amazing tap list. Mm. Like amazing. Like stuff you're not... We talk about this, like, I feel like with every tap room, we're like, oh, how do you come up with this tap list? There's got stuff nobody's ever seen. Yeah. No, this place, truly one-offs, like, flat out. And so I'm talking to the guy afterwards, and I'm like, hey, so, yeah, I mean, how do you, how do you pick the beers out? And we get to chatting. So I think we're going to meet with him and get him on the podcast coming up. So okay. learn a little bit about this tap house. It's a little rinky-dink small place, um, but the selection craziness pure craziness so, awesome yeah so uh it should be a good interview look for that one coming up soon kind of like profiling these little beaverton places kind of fun so yeah and uh very definitely i know we've got another three or four that are in discussions um that we want to highlight so yeah. but certainly kind of fun and interesting so what is going on homebrew wise nothing nothing nope but i think last time you we talked yeah you were going to do like the coffee stout. Yeah, yep. I'm gonna, I was going to do the white stout. Uh, the work schedule has messed that up two weeks in a row now. Oh. Um, I need a good solid weekend to be able to pull that off. And I haven't had two days off in a row yet. Yeah. So I'm waiting on that. Yep. Yep. Craziness. But once that happens, uh, the trigger will get pulled. And then it's going to go. Yeah. Then it's going. Nice. Yeah. Nice. Well, good. Well, I've still got tequila fermenting, uh, the mash <laughs> fermenting. I bought some very specific yeast to uh, ferment agave. Yeah. And um, I opened it up the other day, and it smells funky and rotten. Okay. Um, which is just about right for what I need. So, <laughs> so we'll see how this goes. Um, it did a pretty good job of fermenting it out. It took it from... I don't remember what the reading was, but it, it dropped it pretty well, but there's still a bunch of residual sugar in there. Yeah, so. you got to get rid of that somehow. Well. Or well, do you? No, I don't really. I just had to pull the alcohol off it, so we'll see yeah. how it goes. Um, so, yeah, that'll be up. And then, you know what I was thinking is I had some pineapple kolsch the other day over at the Wild uh, White Oak Tap House. Okay. And uh, I'm like, I need to make my pineapple kolsch. So I'm ordering yeah. some pineapple puree from Oregon Fruit, our buddies over there. Oh, yeah. Yeah, those guys are great. That way I can uh, make that happen because I need some pineapple puree to make a <laughs> Pano Kolsch. Yeah. And then that beer fridge I just filled back up, I'm going to have to empty back out to make space to cold crash there the thing. There you go. So it's either that or I drink the beer out of it. But that's a lot of Imperial Stouts. In that is a lot of Imperial Stouts. Yeah, a, you know, it's funny you bring up Pono, because I yeah. actually saw one of their distribution trucks the other day for the first time. A Pono distribution truck? Yep. Really? Yeah. Blew me away. Huh? I was shocked. Yeah, I saw them. They were doing a food collaboration on, like, KPTV Channel 12. Yeah. And, like, 
on the go with Joe or Drew or whoever the guy is was sitting with them. And uh, they were talking with the guys from Pano. And they said flat out, number one beer for them is the Pineapple Kolsch. Everybody rave, raves about it. Yeah, you know where I saw them? Where? Up there in Progress Ridge. Oh, what were they doing? Um, I'm not sure. I saw their van up in, I believe it was the New Seasons parking lot. Oh, they have Pano there. Yeah, yeah. no, no, no. I saw the, yeah. they have cans up, up there. Yeah. So. so they must have been dropping stuff off. You know, that's a, that's a whole different thing. We need to get the Beerly Making It guy, the beard guy that, the beer guy that works at Whole Foods yeah. on with us. Because Whole Foods beer selection at this one here. Yeah. Absolutely is the worst beer place I've ever seen in my life. It is like the crappiest beer selection I've ever seen. It's a horror. Find out why why it's that way. Well, we know the guy that's the buyer. It's this guy. This beer. He's on Instagram. He's barely making it is what his thing is. Yeah. And I like the guy. But, like, we used to get, like, really all good the cutting-edge beers were coming through there. Yeah. And I would always have, like, the brand-new Abyss was being held off for me or... Um, Bourbon, Bourbon County, like anything I wanted, I could get, and that guy would have. And now it literally is a sucky beer selection. I, I wonder if it has anything to do with uh, Amazon owning them. I don't think so, because I go over to the one over in, off of Boone's in Tualatin. Yeah. Awesome beer selection. Huh. Yeah, so I don't, I don't know what's going on, but I, all I know is it's always empty, and the stuff that's there is just crappy, like horrible selection. So, huh. And uh, I don't know what the deal is. I have to find that out. But I know New Seasons kicks ass. Oh, like, yeah. The New Seasons up by you in Progress Ridge. Yeah. That beer selection Pretty lights decent. out awesome. Yep. Pretty decent. Digging that beer selection. So, All right, man. Well, so we had uh, an awesome interview with Frank from Hurricane Ridge Ski Area. So uh, check those guys out up in the Olympic Peninsula, Port Angeles area. We definitely need a road trip up there and hit that. Yep. And then uh, Nebula's Tap Room, the guys up there. So huge thanks to those guys, um, Adam, Dayton, and Brian. You guys uh, rock. We're gonna come at you soon because uh, the beer selection is too good to pass up. So if you're out in Beaverton, over in that Beaverton Town Center area, check those guys out. If you're a Timbers fan, check this place out. Yes, Watch the game definitely. there. Um, some crazy, wicked, awesome art on yes. the wall of Diego Valeri. Um, all sorts of stuff. So we soon, saw soon to come Diego Chara. Yeah, we saw a sneak peek of uh, Hoban. So yes. yep. So there's some all sorts of stuff up there. So check it out. And uh, with that, look for a future interview with uh, some others coming up real soon. So I guess that's all we got, buddy. Yep. Till then, Tim beers. Tim beers. Thanks for listening to the Portland Tim Beers Podcast. Be sure to visit the Portland Tim Beers Podcast on ACAST.com to join the conversation, access the show notes, and discover our fantastic bonus content. If you love the Tim Beers Podcast, we'd love for you to subscribe, rate, and give a review on iTunes. Until next time, Tim Beers. It's Rock 101 KUFO. We're sitting here in the KUFO production trailer with a couple of members of one of the hottest bands at Rockfest today. It's Slipknot. How are you guys doing? Welcome to Portland. We're doing great, We're doing people. Really good. Yeah.